Hey guys, welcome to Green Scheme's very first podcast, Earth to Crypto. I'm your host, Valerie. And I'm your host, Angel. You're tuning in to the third episode of our podcast, Bitcoin Minings versus the Bank, which is dirtier. We're glad you are here with us today. Hmm, I really do wonder which one is dirtier. Our podcast, Earth to Crypto, revolves around the issue of cryptocurrency and how different aspects of it relate to the environment. On today's episode, we'll be looking at why exactly some people defend cryptocurrency and its environmental impacts, along with how exactly its impacts compare with that of traditional banks. Today, we are joined by two amazing speakers from another NGO, the Anthea Project. Welcome, Akshat and Samira. How are you guys doing today? We're good. Thank you so much for having us. It's great to be speaking here today and talking about the environmental impact of cryptocurrency. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. It's truly an honor. And yeah, super excited to get this going. Okay, cool. We're also super excited about this. And we can't wait to hear your answers. All right. So I'm sure the audience must be thinking right now, who is the Anthea Project? So can you guys tell us a little bit about the Anthea Project? You know, like your focus, missions, and what you guys generally do as an organization? Sure. Yeah. So as I mentioned before, I'm Samira, and I'm the co-founder of the Anthea Project. A little bit about the Anthea Project is that we're an organization that aims to integrate sustainability into the everyday lives of individuals and also business models while raising awareness and educating the community on global environmental issues. Uh, what we at Anthea essentially aim to do is provide a platform where an environmentalists and individuals can come together to address their own climate anxiety and learn about how they can contribute to their community in their own way. We believe in providing people with the alternatives to live a more sustainable life. And we communicate this through different mediums like TikToks or Reels. We also have our very own magazine. We host webinars and we have multiple community projects in the works. Ah, I see. That's really great. And go follow their IG account to support them, guys. Anyways, let's get into the first question regarding this episode. In your opinion, which type of currency is financially safer? Do you think it's the cryptocurrency or the bank? And also, can you elaborate more and compare how the two currencies operate? Yeah, for sure. So I think it's firstly very important to define what financially safe means. The main difference between cryptocurrencies and banks is the fact that currencies are backed by central banks while cryptocurrencies are not. So for example, the US dollar is backed by the US Federal Reserve. The Indonesian rupiah is backed by the Bank of Indonesia. What this means is essentially that traditional currencies are much more stable than cryptocurrencies. This stability allows regulators and governments to navigate the economy against recessions, inflations, and allows currencies to act as a means of storing value and facilitating exchange. The fact that these central banks have greater control also allows them to manage various um, economic variables, such as liquidity, interest rates, and credit supply, which are essentially key to ensuring a robust and stable economy. So while, in essence, in my opinion, I would argue that currencies are more stable and they provide greater utility for people. For example, if you had a US dollar, you could change it to Indonesian rupiah very easily and use it for daily purchases. This is because those currencies are recognized and backed by the respective central banks. Not the same can be said about cryptocurrencies today because many nations, including Indonesia, have banned crypto. Oh, I see. That's really interesting. And, you know, just to add on, I think a big part as to why people choose cryptocurrency, on the other hand, is also the fact that it's decentralized, which means that it's not regulated by the government which also means that it's a more democratic sort of currency. And I think the reason why that's a 
benefit to a lot of people also is because not everybody trusts their money to be kept with the government, you know. And aside from that, uh, cryptocurrency is also very safe because as we've talked before in the previous episodes, each block is verified by solving complex mathematical problems, right? But as Akshat also said, cryptocurrency is extremely volatile in nature, especially because it's such an early investment. So just to follow up question, uh, can you tell us what exactly are the risks of engaging in cryptocurrency compared to traditional banks? And is it really worth the risk? So, well, as mentioned before, crypto is much less stable than currencies from traditional banks. So it is entirely possible that people can, people can lose all their savings, right, due to the volatility in crypto. And like Akshat mentioned before, there is no one exactly there to stabilize it. Another reason crypto is risky is the lack of understanding around the concept. This is essentially why so many countries and regulators have cracked down against Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies. And like we said, Indonesia itself has also banned crypto because of the lack of understanding around the coin and also the lack of understanding around the market. It also means that you cannot necessarily use cryptocurrency everywhere. Another risk is the fact that it is not possible to reverse a transaction once it is made. If a wrong transaction is made, the only thing you can do is ask for a reversal from the recipient. There's nothing one can do if the recipients of a wrong transaction turn down the request or, you know, don't do it for any other reason. In comparison to banks, wherein something like this would be possible. Okay, so following up to that question, since from previous episodes, we have discussed that both the traditional financial system, which is the bank, and cryptocurrencies has its own advantages and disadvantages. However, in the future, do you think the role of the traditional financial system will decline due to the development of cryptocurrencies? Well, there are a lot of advantages to cryptocurrencies. I think one of the main advantages are that cryptocurrencies are available on a click of a button all over the world. So anyone can make an online transfer and they can acquire and own the digital coins of their choice. Unlike other electronic cash settlement systems that take days to process transactions, if you use crypto, you can have instant transactions, instant settlements. Another advantage is that there are lower transaction fees associated with cryptocurrencies. Transferring money using other bank gateways can be quite expensive given the number of fees charged along the way. And then as Valerie mentioned, privacy is another aspect that has made cryptocurrency very desirable to users because they don't have to share their identity complete transactions. Crypto is decentralized, so there's no like centralized ledger where all their transactions are stored. And essentially, it allows the people to maintain the privacy behind their transactions. While currently, I would say it is a stretch to say that the role of the financial system will decline because of cryptocurrencies. And that's mainly because of the various disadvantages that we just mentioned. I think going forward, either we should see cryptocurrency becoming more readily accepted, or we should see traditional banks adopting some of these advantages inspired by crypto. And if banks do that, crypto could become less attractive in a sense. Oh, I see. That's a really interesting take, Akshat. And I do have to agree. You know, when we look at cryptocurrency, it seems like such a high-tech thing that holds a lot of promise. And at this point in time, I don't think cryptocurrency has ever been more popular. But also at the same time, not everybody trusts cryptocurrency just simply because it's such a complex topic and it's difficult to be able to know everything about it. So knowing this, do you think Bitcoin mining is a threat to the traditional transaction system? You know, maybe it has something to do with the government's response as well. I think this is a good time to possibly bring in some numbers. 
I also think that we should have mentioned this in the beginning, but neither Akshat nor I are experts on cryptocurrency. We are looking at this whole podcast from an environmental perspective and from the perspective of environmentalists. And we are pretty much just enthusiasts who are learning a lot about the topic at the moment. So coming back to the question, the global cryptocurrency market size was valued at about $2 trillion recently. The daily trading volume amounts to about $150 billion on a high volume day. For comparison, the traditional foreign exchange market has a daily trading volume of $6.6 trillion. The value of the entire foreign exchange market is about $2.4 trillion. That's about 1,200 times the size of the cryptocurrency market. In addition to this, as mentioned, cryptocurrencies are just not accepted in many places. So I think in conclusion, we can say that current mining does not necessarily threaten the traditional transaction system. However, it would be a lie to say that there isn't any potential. As more countries like El Salvador accept Bitcoin as a legal tender, it is possible that daily trading volumes will most likely increase. I see. That's a really interesting take. And just a question that popped into my mind, as Akshat mentioned before, you know, traditional banks could also be inspired by cryptocurrency. So do you think this could eventually happen in the future? Like, do you think traditional transaction systems will possibly need to update their technology to compete with cryptocurrency, possibly even incorporating blockchain technology? So I think that's definitely not a stretch because I think like we've discussed, crypto does have a lot of advantages. And I think that people really like the, you know, how quick it is. They like the privacy of it. And I think just to compete, either banks will have to, you know, adapt and change their policies in a way to reflect crypto, or I think crypto will get ahead. And, you know, while we're on the topic, we've also seen, so like Sam just mentioned, El Salvador, where which has started accepting Bitcoin as legal tender. You know, legal tender just means that money can be used to pay for goods and services and settle the debt. So I think governments will either, you know, start accepting Bitcoin or they will come out with their own digital coins that can be used. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that in the future, we might see a drastic increase in the use of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. But given the current trading volumes and the current market sizes, you know, Bitcoin doesn't really compare or not in Bitcoin. This The trading volumes and the market sizes that Sam mentioned were for all of cryptocurrency. I don't think the cryptocurrency market even compares to the foreign exchange market. But again, it's not a leap to say that we might see things changing in the future. Yeah, adding to that, there's actually a lot of progress going on in cryptocurrency. The European Commission actually proposed markets and crypto assets. So that's how they will regulate crypto assets and their service providers in the European Union. This itself is a big step because it sort of adds to the acceptance of cryptocurrency worldwide. And other countries like China, Britain, Russia, and even India are thinking about launching their own central bank digital currencies. So there's definitely a lot of potential in the future. Oh, thank you so much for the really interesting facts. I mean, it just goes to show how legitimate Bitcoin is becoming. I see. That's great from three of you guys' answers and comments. So I think most of us do agree that the energy consumption of Bitcoin is not that great for the environment. However, in fact, there are still some people who defend the energy consumption of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. 
Do you really know why do they still defend it? I think this argument can be circled back to the environment versus the economy, wherein defenders of Bitcoin see it as a new age savior against like inflation or even like repression and just taking back control. I think as one of our hosts mentioned earlier on, Bitcoin gives people a lot more a sense of security because there isn't a third party organization that's holding the money or isn't as involved in it. Nakamoto, the founder of Bitcoin, actually said, Bitcoin users would never have to trust third party like banks, etc. Since all the transactions would be managed by a group of decentralized Bitcoin workers, which essentially means that there would be no single individual or entity owning your money or owning Bitcoin. I assume this resonates with many who swear by crypto and continue to defend its energy consumption. I think the short answer is that it's a classic example of money over the environment, but also, as we'll learn later on, there are different factors to consider as to whether or not a bank would be consuming more energy over the crypto market. So as for now, I think these would be the reasons according to the Anthea project as to why people defend Bitcoins and their energy consumption. Ah, I see, I see. I do have to agree. It's pretty difficult to put into perspective, especially because, you know, with banks, it's pretty tangible. You have, you know, ATM machines and all that. But with crypto, it's mostly digital and you can't really visualize that realistically. But at the same time, we already know that crypto and banks both use up a lot of energy, but the energy is used in different ways. So could you guys explain what all this energy is used for, both for cryptocurrency and banks? So in terms of cryptocurrency, the simple answer is the biggest consumption of energy occurs during the mining process. So let me offer a bit of background as to how this works. Cryptocurrency mining is the way new coins are introduced and circulated in the market. As Valerie mentioned earlier, you know, it involves complex mathematical processes that are usually run by computers and they require very high-end and high power consumption GPUs or graphical processing units in order to, you know, sort of make those mathematical algorithms work and to mine the Bitcoin. In addition to that, crypto relies on a blockchain technology, which in simple words is a decentralized data structure that is managed by a global network of computers. These computers are specialized to perform this task and they consume a lot of energy. And, you know, due to the recent boom in crypto in the last five years, especially, we cannot mine coins using traditional computers anymore. We can't just use our laptop or, you know, the computer we have at home. This is mostly due to the fact that there's more computing power dedicated to mining Bitcoin in total. And the more computing power you need to mine the next blocks. So this creates a pretty insane cycle, which, like I said, it is impossible to continue the use of traditional computers to mine Bitcoins. Banks, on the other hand, their main energy consumption comes from infrastructure, cost of running a branch, ATM server costs, and electronic money transfers. So, you know, these are sort of the energy uses in both these cases. Oh, I see, I see. Just a question that popped into my head. Akshat said previously that, you know, computer power increases drastically especially now that more people are becoming involved in cryptocurrency but at the same time we've also been hearing so much about computers that are advancing so so fast so if you guys know do you think this helps with the energy issue because you know maybe it's more efficient or does this just simply makes it worse because it requires more energy to power yeah so essentially what happens is that the more computing power that is dedicated to mining right now the more computing power you'll need to mine the next blocks so while yes computers are becoming much more advanced and much more efficient it doesn't necessarily mean that the power consumption is going down because let's say you use one computer for this round of mining you might need 
two for the next, and then you might need four for the next, and you might need eight for the next. So overall power consumption will keep on increasing. And yes, there are strides being made in efficiency. There are strides being made in computers becoming more power efficient, more environmentally friendly. But I don't think those advancements are you know, necessarily quick enough to sort of counter how much computing power is needed, how many more computers are needed for the mining process. Oh, okay. I see. I see. That's a different perspective, actually. That's super interesting. Thank you for sharing that, Akshat. Um, okay, so throughout this podcast, we have been talking about how much the energy consumption of cryptocurrency mining, but overall, in reality, which one do you think consumes more energy? Is it the cryptocurrency or the bank? Honestly, that's a pretty tricky question. I recently read an article by the New York Times, which said, and I can roughly quote, I guess, is that the process of creating Bitcoin to spend or trade consumes around 91 terawatt hours of electricity annually. This was compared to the power use of Finland, which is a nation of about 5.5 million people. So I think this gives you a good comparison as to how much energy is truly consumed because, you know, when you talk in numbers, us as common people aren't able to actually make a solid comparison or even visualize how much energy that is. I think it's a little easier to calculate the energy consumed by cryptocurrency because there's a uniform way of doing so. And there's something called a hash rate, which is the total combined computational power used to mine Bitcoin and process transactions. And then you can make some educated guesses as to the energy requirements of the hardware that the miners are using. But on the other hand, it is far more difficult to do the same for banks. As Akshat mentioned, that most of the energy consumed is by infrastructure of banks. And this is when we're not counting the you know energy consumed by its employees or energy consumed supplementary to the infrastructure. We need to consider that banks have been around for a lot longer and therefore are far more established with almost 70% of our world population using banks. And as of now, taking into consideration that each bank may have around 100 servers, roughly, I guess, with over 600,000 banks around the world, along with the fact that if we can approximate that each ATM has around two air conditioners and also maybe taking in the cost of electronic money transfers and other aspects of the infrastructure adding up, cryptocurrency, according to research and calculations conducted by Medium, consumes one-fourth the power of banks. But we must take into account that these are all approximates. And like I said, it is not as easy to guess the energy consumption of banks compared to crypto. And based on the upward trend of how cryptocurrency is booming and rising, this may just be a very temporary sort of answer. But yeah, I think that's what it is. Oh, I see, I see. Uh, thank you for the facts, Samir. That was really interesting. And regarding the debate of which type of currency consumes more energy, a lot of people, especially fans of cryptocurrency, currently have the impression that crypto is consuming less energy than traditional banks. Although, you know, as mentioned previously, it's kind of difficult to approximate accurately. But we also have to take into account that cryptocurrency is gaining so much popularity so fast, like Samira said, previously, and this will also lead to more and more people entering the crypto world. This could potentially raise the energy consumption even higher. So in the long run, how do you think the energy usage of cryptocurrency will compare to that of banks? Sure. So based on the current upward trend in the use of cryptocurrency, it's very, very likely that crypto will far outrun the consumption of banks, you know, in terms of energy. As mentioned before, the energy used to mine crypto constantly increases. And therefore, we are possibly looking out at a significantly higher energy consumption. You know, in recent months, in recent years, we've already seen a trend where old power stations are being converted 
the crypto mining stations. And I think that sort of gives you the idea of how much energy they use because a power station could be used to, you know, power a whole city or a whole town while, and now it's being used to just to mine cryptocurrency. So I think in the long run, as crypto gains more popularity, it is very, very possible that their consumption will outrun that of banks. And what we also have to consider is that, as Sam mentioned, banks, the main energy consumption comes from their infrastructure. And a lot of banks are trying to become dealer. They're trying to make sure that more of their energy comes from renewable resources or it comes from, it's actually yeah, renewable resources, you know, wind power, solar power, geothermal, you know, hydropower. So and then that's something that we hope to talk about as well, how crypto is also becoming greener. But just given the current upward trend, it's very possible that crypto's energy use will far outrun that bank's use. Ah, I see, I see. So since we've been talking a lot of the disadvantages, let us talk more the positive side of it. As I've said before, both of them has its own advantages and disadvantages. So in general, which one do you think the advantages way more than the disadvantages and why? Um, well, as for now, there are definitely numerous advantages to using crypto, as we've mentioned earlier in this podcast, that being of like privacy, the ability to use them anywhere around the world, and even just, you know, not having to think about the risk of inflation, etc. But for now, I think the disadvantages may outweigh them for the moment from an environmental perspective. Cryptocurrencies are clearly financially risky but the environmental concerns are i think the main issue for us this is not to say that things cannot change obviously we've seen lots of strides in green cryptocurrency mining in recent years so this is when crypto is powered by waste products from coal and oil as well as from wind and solar farms that show potential to reduce the environmental impact we've also seen new cryptocurrencies come out that promise to be environmentally friendly and i think this is something that we're going to be mentioning later on in the podcast too but there are now cryptos that are primarily focused on being esg compliant so they aren't as harmful to the environment as they are right now. But if this trend continues and cryptocurrencies can be integrated into traditional financial systems, then this will create more opportunities and help us towards the goal of a sustainable world. As long as it's done while taking the environment into consideration, I think that things may have a way of working out or working together. But if that's not possible, and if we completely ignore the environmental concerns that are related to crypto, then we might just be on a downward spiral because as we've mentioned before, crypto, the energy consumption can only rise. What is going to be our concern or what is going to be something that we should be looking into is finding renewable sources of that energy or making coins ESG compliant. Oh, I see. I actually never knew that. It's really nice to see that the crypto world is starting to become more aware of the possible environmental impacts that they could be having. And just to add on to that, you know, we see now that cryptocurrency is not just a dream anymore, even though it sounds and looks so high tech. I mean, it's becoming more and more real and more and more tangible. Even, you know, as Samira mentioned previously, El Salvador now recognizes cryptocurrency as their legal tender. And this can't really be good news for the environment, though, right? I mean, 
with the ever-increasing energy consumption and all that. So my question is, currently, are there any regulations to help with the environmental concerns of cryptocurrency? Yeah, there are some. So for example, like Sam mentioned, there are a lot of cryptos that are focused on use on green technology. So they'll be powered by solar farms or they'll be powered by wind farms, etc. And there are a lot of ESG-compliant cryptos which are being introduced, which are initiated for more sustainable methods. In fact, according to the CEO of Nickel Digital Asset Management, the price competition is driving miners towards the cheapest sources of energy. And renewables are increasingly falling into this category. This has been a movement in the, you know, this has been a sort of trend in the entire environmental movement where we've been seeing renewable sources of energy becoming cheaper than traditional sources of energy. And because of this, you know, because people want to get their transactions out of the cheapest rate at the cheapest cost, they're going towards these cheaper sources of energy. In addition to that, the blockchain upgrade Ethereum 2 will use proof of stake versus proof of work, which means it will drastically reduce the energy needed to mine it. Some countries like Japan have also banned crypto because of the overconsumption of energy. Follow up with something Sam said earlier, there are various cryptocurrencies which are like greener. So for example, Bitcoin takes 707 kilowatt hours per transaction. That's its consumption. We're seeing other cryptos like IOTA, which takes 0.00011 kilowatt hours per transaction, which is much less than Bitcoin. And we're seeing others like Dogecoin, XRP, Chia, which are much more energy efficient and consume much less energy per transaction. So essentially, yes, because it's such a new sort of technology, it's an emerging one, it's a new market. The regulations will take a bit to come out, but I think we should definitely see more and more regulations coming out to sort of address the environmental concerns of cryptocurrency. Oh, I see. And actually, you actually mentioned something quite interesting that caught my attention. You mentioned something about proof of stake over proof of work, and that's supposed to be more energy efficient? Yes, exactly. Because of this, potentially a blockchain upgrade. And because of this, we should definitely see that the energy needed to mine cryptocurrency, and in this case, we're talking about Ethereum, but I'm sure this will spill over to other cryptos as well. But it will mean that the energy needed to mine these coins will drastically reduce. And we should just see a lot more energy efficiency and a lot less energy consumed overall from the whole process. I see, I see. So... What I've known for now is that this question has still been controversial among the society. However, how can you see both of this in the next 10 years? Will societies choose Bitcoins over banks or vice versa? I think this is a question that I can start off with and maybe Akshat can weigh in towards the end. Well, based on this whole conversation that we've had, it's a very obvious sort of answer that Bitcoin or even digital currency is slowly taking over our lives. As this technology in general, a lot of aspects in our daily lives which were before you know controlled by physical sort of mediums are now being digitally controlled and i think money isn't something that's an exception it's definitely going to be digitalized sooner or later it already is but crypto does look like the future the only concern is whether or not they can find a better way to understand the market they can find a way to make it environmentally you know friendly and I think a lot of investors are also relying on that because as we've seen, a lot of corporations have been trying to be ESG compliant and have been trying to actually adopt a more eco-friendly and sustainable method of operating their own businesses. Because at the end of the day, people know that the environment is our future and being sustainable is the only way that your business can actually be sustainable. So cryptocurrency should also look into that 
And if they're able to find a middle ground or if they're able to come to a point wherein they can incorporate eco-friendly practices into mining cryptocurrency or even reducing energy consumption, then it seems to be like a good sort of switch. That's not to say that banks are not going to exist in the next 10 years. I do not believe that. But I do think that society will start to choose bitcoins over banks, primarily because of the fact that there's a lot more security concerns in our society these days. And crypto kind of gives you a solution to that, which might be attractive to a lot of users. So I think Sam struck absolutely right. I agree with everything she said in the sense that digital currency is taking over. So you have to keep in mind, even in the traditional banking system, only 20% of transactions nowadays are cash. Most other transactions are digital anyway. So yeah, going forward in the next 10 years, like Sam said, I don't think banks are going away. But I think it's going to be a race between whether Bitcoin can become more legitimate, become more recognized, whether Bitcoin can become more energy efficient, or whether banks, on the other hand, adopt some of these advantages and sort of get inspiration from Bitcoin and bring those advantages over. In addition, I'll just mention that a lot of countries, like Sam had mentioned, India, China, Russia, and now the United States as well, have been thinking about launching their own sort of cryptocurrencies, their own sort of digital coins. And if that happens, then, you know, without a doubt, we'll see that cryptocurrencies will take over banks. But again, right now, it's essentially a race. It's going to be a race between the traditional banks and crypto. You know, who can sort of become more legitimate? Who can address these concerns that we are having more efficiently? Yeah, I fully agree. It's basically crypto bank and the environment. (laughs) If climate change doesn't take over and, you know, doesn't sort of put us at a very dangerous situation as it has right now, then yeah, I do agree with Akshat. It's a race between the three. Oh, that's actually very interesting. That's a great perspective, especially to our audience who are listening. And just out of curiosity, do any of you invest in cryptocurrency or have any projects in the crypto world? Well, at the moment, I personally haven't been investing in crypto, but I do know of friends and even family members who have dabbled in it. And based on that, I can say that we do have a little bit of personal experience and to saying all the information we did provide did have some sort of bias to it. But I am not completely um, saying that that's not something that's going to happen in the future. It might. But as of the moment, I do not dabble in crypto. Well, I have dabbled in crypto. And what I can say is right now, it's sort of like a stock where, you know, you buy it when it's low, you sell it when it's high. And it's not something that I've used for transactions. It's something that I've bought, I've held for a while, then I've sold. And yeah, it's definitely not something I can use as traditional currency. You know, when I have, for example, US dollars, so I have Indonesian rupiah, I have Indian rupee. I can hold that money and I can use it, go outside and buy something. With crypto right now, its only role really is to buy it, hold it and sell it when it's high. So, you know, that's another aspect I believe that cryptocurrencies will have to improve on. You know, they have to be accepted in more places, more companies will have to say, yes, we're open to accepting Bitcoin. Are we open to accepting other cryptocurrencies for it to become truly legitimate? I see, I see. Thank you guys for sharing your experience. That's very interesting. Okay, guys. So that was a lot of information to take in. And I hope the audience learned a thing or two about the crypto. And on that note, I think that wraps up this episode. So 
Thank you so much to Ashad and Samira for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you to our audience for tuning in with us, and we hope you'll look forward to our next episode with a special guest from another NGO about breaking down the crypto climate accord. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at green.scheme for more updates and check out our website to know more about us. Don't forget to also check out the Anthea project on Instagram and other social media platforms. Samira or Akshat, why don't you guys share the Anthea project's Instagram accounts to the audience? Yes, of course. Firstly, I would just want to start by saying thank you to the Green Scheme for thinking of the Anthea project and this podcast and for inviting us over to speak on the topic. We're honored and we're so happy to be a part of this. As for our Instagram, it is the Anthea project and Anthea is spelled A-N-T-H-E-I-A. And we also have a website, so the AntheaProject.com. Please go ahead and check that out too. And you can find the links to our other social media platforms on our Instagram itself. Okay, that's right. Thanks again to the wonderful speakers and we'll see you next time.